Thank you for downloading this weekend sermon from Bangalore Revival Center. Our desire is to see you grow in your love and pursuit of God, causing you to become a channel of His love and grace to the people around you. Now let's listen to the Word of God. Excited to be in church this morning? Yes. What did we learn last week? Anybody? Grace. What about grace? Sorry? God's way. Okay, God's time. The prodigal son story. Yes, we studied that. So what about the prodigal son did we learn last week? He moved out and that was the reason for his life to get wasted away. And then uh, thankfully, God in his sovereignty, he allowed some lack in his life. And that lack was the reason why his relationship with his father got restored. That lack was the reason why he came back into his father's house. That lack was the reason why his uh, wealth, all the providence that he had lost, it came back into his life. So sometimes we need to be thankful about our problems. Sometimes we need to be thankful about the struggles in our life that God allows intentionally so that we can find those, that place where we are supposed to be rooted in. We can come back to the house. We can come back into the will of God for our lives. Amen. Anybody remember the foundational verse for this series? Reference anybody reference anybody Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 come on let's read it out together for God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him amen that is the definition of grace we have to redefine what grace really is grace is not God saying okay you can go and live however you want to live Grace is God saying, I am going to empower you. I am going to work in you and I'm going to work through you and I'm going to give you the desire for the right things and I'm going to give you the enablement or the power to do the right things. Amen. Sometimes when we preach grace, people come and ask, hey, does it mean that we can continue to live however we want to live? Does it mean that we can continue to commit sin? Will God still have grace on us? Does it mean that we can continue to do whatever we want to do? Hey, that's not what grace is all about. Grace is about God teaching you how to do His will for your life. Amen. Now, you know, this week, one of my sons, he called me and he said, uh, you know what, I have, been, I have been trying to teach God's word to my friends, but they feel condemned. They feel that, you know, I am preaching condemnation to them. They feel that I am preaching law to them. And, and let me tell you this. If you Google, if you go on YouTube, you'll find so many preachers that will tell you that what I am preaching to you is law, is legalism. It is uh, condemnation. But then, you know, God showed me this particular scripture and it just blew my mind away. And I thought I should share it with you. Paul said this to the church at Corinth in 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 verse 15 he said our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing so he's saying that my life is actually like Jesus 
I want to live my life the way Jesus lived his life. I want to model my teaching the way Jesus modeled his teaching. I want to say and replicate everything that Jesus did. But when it comes out, it will be perceived differently by different people. It doesn't mean that I'm preaching law and you're receiving it as grace or I'm preaching grace and you're receiving it as law. It just means that I'm preaching Jesus but different people will perceive and receive it differently. Verse 16, he says, to those who are perishing, we are a, a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to preach Jesus to you. But for some people, that is going to be condemnation. Did you know that Jesus, the epitome of grace, he came and he preached God's love and so many people felt condemned and so many people felt that Jesus was pointing at them and Jesus was hurting them and Jesus was offending them. So grace preaching doesn't mean that you would not be condemned. It's, it's your heart position. If you are in this to get saved, if you are in this to receive from God, then this will not be condemnation for you. Are you able to understand what I'm saying? The message is the same. The life is the same. The preacher is the same. The conversations, everything is the same. But one group of people receive it as an order, a dreadful smell of death and doom. For some people, what is being spoken because they don't like it. They are, they are not in it to get saved. They are not in it to receive answers. They are in it to rebel and to prove their way and to prove that they are right and they are better and they are more capable and more anointed than somebody else. And for these people, this will be condemning voice. But there is another group of people. What does it say? It says, but to those who are being saved, what will it be? It will be a life-giving perfume. My prayer is that we will be that group of people, right? We'll be the group of people for whom this voice, this word that God is releasing into our life week after week, day after day, it will be a, a, a life-giving perfume. It will not be an order of death and doom. Amen. So if you come to church and if you feel condemned, what should you do? Change the attitude of your heart. Simple. If you come to church and, and the word is being preached and you feel like somebody is pointing right at you and preaching at you, no problem. Just say, thank you, Lord, for correcting me. Humble yourself and let me tell you what that will become. That will become a life-giving perfume to you. Instead of uh, odor, instead of a dreadful smell of death and doom. Amen. Now, you would see the, the best example of this is on the cross. There was Jesus hanging on the cross and he's surrounded by, come on, Christians who have seen passion of the Christ, tell me something. The robbers to thieves on the left and on the right. And what was the response? Let's read this. Luke chapter 23, verse 39. It says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. Everybody says scoffed. So Jesus is the same for the left and the right guy. Any difference? What the left and the right guy saw, any difference? What he saw, what the guy who got saved and the guy who got, you know, who got destroyed, 
both of them had the same Jesus, the same revelation, the same sermons and the same experience. But one guy, the Bible says he scoffed and he said, so you're the Messiah, are you? If you are, then prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Anybody who comes to you and say, hey, prove to me that you're right or prove to me that I'm wrong and prove to me that this is... Don't get into a lot of debate with those guys because they are not there to learn. They are there to sometimes to just prove that you're wrong. They are just sometimes there to just prove that, hey, you're not really the son of God. What you carry is not really genuine anointing. What you carry is not the voice of God. They are there to sometimes just put seeds of doubt even in your own head. And the Bible says, this guy, he began to scoff. Why did he say? He said, hey, why don't you prove to me by saving yourself? And while you save yourself, why don't you do that for? Now, tell me about this. Is Jesus capable of doing that? Absolutely. But did Jesus give in to it? No. See, that's something about God. God doesn't give in to our tantrums. God does give in to our broken cries, our brokenness. God gives in to our, you know, supplications, our needs when we are broken in God's presence. God gives in to it. And God ministers to us. But something that God doesn't respond to is tantrums. So when we come into the presence of God, don't come in with tantrums. Come like the other thief, you know. What did the other thief say? Turn, turn, go to the next verse. It says, but the other criminal protested. Verse 40, it says, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? The other guy is saying, hey, come on, dude, are you serious? Why would you speak like that? Why would you say something like that? Don't you have the fear of God? Why are you asking this man to prove himself to you? We don't need no proof. I am trying to understand what is it that this guy saw that the other guy didn't see. Was it the same things? The same miracles or the same experiences? Everything was the same. But this guy, he said, Hey, because I fear God, I'm going to respond in a positive way. Because I respect God, because I revere God, I'm going to respond in a way that I'm going to learn something out of this, not that I'm going to go out of this with an arrogant heart. Verse 41, he says, We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. He's saying, hey, hey this is the reason why we are dying is perfectly justified but this guy does not deserve to die he realized that he he had a revelation about Jesus that hey I deserve this but he doesn't deserve this he is dying and I'm dying but there's a big difference between him dying and me dying he's dying because he just said he's the king of the Jews I'm dying because I stole I'm dying because it's illegal for me to die so what we experience in life is absolutely legal it's it's something that we deserve death is something we deserve punishment is something we deserve but what Jesus experienced on the cross was not something that he deserved and this thief was very quick to understand that I don't deserve this I I, I deserve this but he doesn't deserve this and that changed his perspective he went on to pray then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He first rebuked the thief and then he turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, 
if there is any hope for somebody like me i know i don't deserve it but when you come into your kingdom when is that you know thousands of years later when jesus comes back to the earth thousand year reign happens and and if there is any hope for me on that day which is not yet happened by the way come on jesus is not coming to his actual earthly kingdom yet am i right he is looking very much ahead of time and he's saying jesus i deserve what i'm going through right now i deserve where i am right now i deserve this death i deserve this punishment but if possible on that day when you take over the kingdom on this earth could you please remember me that's all that he prayed his prayer was lord just help me whenever if ever at all if there is any possibility that i can get out of this miserable position that i am in lord rescue me and what did jesus reply you remember the reply jesus gave the next verse he says jesus replied i assure you somebody said today. today come on loudly today, today. jesus said hey hey don't wait till i come back in my kingdom today you will be with me in paradise come on that is grace that is what gracious getting what we did not deserve see mercy is if jesus says hey okay i'll have mercy on you i'll let i'll remember you in my kingdom but grace is saying hey i know you don't deserve this but today you will be my right hand man when i walk into paradise we'll go in together come on church that is grace now tell me what did this guy do we will we will be offended with this guy cuz come on this was the guy who lived all his life doing the dirty things speaking the wrong things you know going crazy with his life one prayer that he prayed brought him first in the line come on we been waiting to get there the guy one prayer that he prayed he reached there right there in the front line he was the first person to enter into paradise see you should understand this all of old testament saints and all of these guys they were waiting to enter into heaven right so jesus is now going to open the doors to heaven all of these guys are waiting in paradise or they're waiting in the second level of hell because without jesus there is no redemption no permanent redemption for sin nobody can get to heaven without jesus even all the way from adam you know down to john the baptist all the old testament saints that died they still didn't have access to heaven till jesus died when jesus died he went and he opened the gates for heaven am i right who is the first person to enter with jesus this guy that we would usually call him a loser like if we would see him on a regular day it's a guy this guy you know what would be on his grave <laughs> i'm sure mean stuff nobody is going to come you know mourn over his death and that's the guy who got in the first into heaven with jesus man that gives you and me some hope this morning eh that we can get what we don't really deserve that's what grace really is there is a favor of god that comes upon you when you ask and you you humble yourself and you're willing to receive the grace that he wants to give you now this morning's word is going to 
humble some of us it's okay let's just yield to it it's okay to feel that our works are not so important am i saying you should not work am i saying you should live wayward lifestyles like the thief no but i'm saying that sometimes it's better to trust and lean upon the lord let me give you a, an example matthew chapter 20 and verse 1 jesus gives this amazing uh, you know parable he says for the kingdom of heaven read it with me is like the land owner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard let's say early that time should be 6 am can early the morning what is early for you guys 4 o'clock wow praise god for some people 10 o'clock is early in the morning <laughs> it, you know let's say let's assume for back in the day it was 6 a.m. okay the guy woke up at 6 a.m. in the morning and he went to the marketplace he went one morning to hire workers for his vineyard in other words he had a vineyard and he needed to hire people who will work for him in the vineyard at the at the at the time that he should be going to hire people he went to the marketplace to hire people and what does the bible say verse 2 he agreed he he found a lot of people that he wanted see you should understand in the morning when he is going to um the the market he's already calculated in his head this much portion of land and this many workers i will need right now he goes to the market let's say that his calculation was 20 people i need okay then he goes there he finds those 20 people the bible says he agreed to pay the normal daily wage whatever it costs now an entire day's work let's say they have to work from 6 am to 6 pm that's 12 hours so let's say that 12 hours wage is 1000 rupees the master said hey come on let's get into a business agreement business deal you do 12 hours work for me and i will pay you 1000 rupees at the end of the day this is what you deserve this is what you this is what i owe you at the end of the day i need to give you when you finish 12 hours of work i need to give you 1000 rupees am i right now the the land owner he if he he made that agreement he told them i'll give you what you what you owe me and what i owe you and i will give you what you rightfully deserve right that is salary that is not grace you understand what i'm saying the next verse at 9 o'clock in the morning so this is why i said early morning should be around 6 o'clock okay so later 9 o'clock in the morning he was passing through the marketplace and saw some more people standing around doing nothing and so now the the land owners need is already met you understand what i'm saying right in the morning when he went out to hire the number of people that he needs for his vineyard he hired all the number of people that he needed but now that he has gone back to the marketplace for some other purchase he saw some more people waiting there and then he's like man what are you guys doing here give me the next verse so he hired them telling them he should he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day what did he tell them hey come work for me whatever is right at the end of the day i will give you also the the rightful pay now with these guys he did not get into an arrangement saying 
you know i will give you 1000 rupees he said whatever is right whenever it is right at the end of the day how much ever is possible i will give you that right verse 5 it says so they went to the vineyard and they uh, and and they started working and at noon time so around 12 o'clock in the afternoon uh, and again at 3 o'clock in the afternoon the master went back to the marketplace and again he found people standing there doing nothing wasting their time wasting their life wasting their resources that evening they are not going to have food to eat in their homes because nobody hired them right they are daily wage workers right now the master's need got met at 6 a.m he went and found more people at 9 a.m he went and found even more people at 12 and even more people at 3 in the afternoon and he did the same thing you know he's like hey i don't need you but i'm gonna have mercy on you i'm going to you know still hire you probably this guy has wealth beyond your wildest imagination because he's like you know yeah i know that i don't need this guy see is this a good businessman talk to me all you businessmen all you guys who want to do business if you need three people in your office will you hire 300 people you will if you have unlimited resource of money and you you just want to be generous and you just want to give it away right that's that's the only time you do it now this guy he goes on hiring more and more people even at 3 p.m in the afternoon okay the day is gonna finish at 6 p.m right the next verse it says and he didn't just finish he had to go back to the market at five o'clock at five o'clock that afternoon he was in town again and then he saw some more people standing around and he asked them why haven't you guys been working today at five o'clock in the afternoon okay check this out he's going to finish the work at 6 p.m five in the evening he's finding some more people standing there and he's saying why are you not working guys next verse he says they replied because no one hired us and the landowner says okay then go out and join the others in my vineyard i understand that you're wasting your life i understand that you have no provision i understand but i'm going to have mercy on you i'm going to i'm going to remember your family i'm going to remember your kids that have to stay hungry tonight if nobody's going to hire you today and i'm going to take you to my vineyard why don't you go to my vineyard i know this is the last time of the day see if you ask me Honestly, if you ask me, I think it's the laziness of these guys that they came at five in the evening. Talk to me. Is it the master's fault or is it their fault that they are standing there at five o'clock? Because master came at nine, at twelve, at three. Several times during the day the master came. These guys probably drank too much the previous night. They woke up, they had a hangover and they woke up really late this morning. And they're trying to push themselves out of that hangover and uh, and they somehow managed to eat one meal and push themselves to the market before you know five o'clock to find somebody who will give them some scraps for their you know meal that's the kind of guys that these guys are they don't deserve to be hired come on good businessmen wouldn't hire these guys if your employees are coming to office at five in the evening when your checkout time is six you don't want those guys working for you 
right so these guys didn't deserve to be hired but the master still had mercy on them the master said it's okay i understand your plight i'm going to have mercy on you why don't you come to my vineyard and go work in my vineyard come on somebody say amen, amen. do you know that's you and me that's you and me that's our state we don't deserve to get what we get from the lord but he had mercy on us and he gave us something meaningful to do with our lives and outside of serving him our lives are going to be absolutely useless it's going to be idle it's going to be wasting our time it's going to be wasting our resources it's going to be wasting everything the next verse it says that evening that is probably by 6 pm okay he told the foreman he, he called his executive pastor and he called the workers in and he said hey now you got to pay all of them beginning from the last workers to the first right now what do you expect if the guy has been working from you know sits to sits you expect the guy who came to work at 5 pm to get like some 100 bucks that's how you and i good businessmen will do things yeah no you will give the same 1000 rupees to people who come late no you wouldn't none of us would do that because that would encourage laziness that would encourage you know slack of work all of that will happen but the bible says he called the the persons that were hired the last he called them first and what did he give them it says when those hired at 5 o'clock were paid they were paid each or each of them they received a full day's wage somebody said that's grace see mercy is saying okay you don't have food to eat i will hire you don't worry i'll give you something but grace is giving you the full day's wage come on do you understand what i'm trying to say mercy is god saying okay nobody else can save you from your sins come to me i will save you from your sins but grace is god saying hey you're going to get the same blessing that this guy he's been in church for 15 years he's been serving me for 15 years he's been fasting and praying and standing upside down for 15 years the same anointing the same blessing the same grace that this guy has you will get it come on i'm i'm disappointing some hard workers today <laughs> It's okay we have to understand things from God's perspective because God's not a businessman he's a loving father and he loves to lavish his grace and his mercy on his children and this is the God that we serve and what does God say It says when those hired first came to get their pay they automatically assumed wait wait they had the superiority complex okay wow i've been in this church for 5 years i'm going to get more pay or i'm going to get more time i'm going to have special privileges you know unlike you know i thought that what this guy is getting is only supposed to be there for those people who have been there for a long time but but now i'm seeing these newcomers getting the same privileges that old timers are getting and and they are like hey man this is not cool they had this superiority complex and they assumed that they would receive more but they too were paid a day's wage and see that's when your inferiority complex will begin to manifest 
that's when your insecurities will begin to manifest when you see somebody else being treated with the same love the same grace and with the same kindness that you were treated with hey that's when your you know all those feelings come out and and these guys they were vocal enough they they started to speak to this owner they said he says when they received their pay they protested to the owner saying this is not fair this doesn't look nice the next verse it says the these people they worked only one hour and how many hours did we work we worked 12 hours but you've paid them just as much as you worked oh as we worked all day in the scorching heat man this is not done this guys look at the disciples okay they left their fathers their mothers they left their you know money their fishing business everything and they followed jesus right yes they lived wherever jesus lived they they had to sometimes sleep on the roads sometimes you know not have enough money to pay their taxes all of those things and these guys really sacrificed but who gets to enter into heaven with jesus the thief who accepted jesus just 5 minutes before jesus passed away come on that doesn't make sense but the bible says these guys they were working in the scorching heat and they were, they expected to receive more grace because of the you know hard work that they did but the land owner he replies to them he says he answered to them saying friend I haven't been unfair to you. I had agreed to you. Didn't we agree on this that you will get an entire day's wage? Didn't we agree on 1000 rupees? You got what you deserved. You got this is what I promised to give you and I gave you this. But the next verse he says, "But take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you." What God is saying is, "Hey, I wanted to show grace to this guy who doesn't really deserve it. I wanted to show mercy to this guy who didn't really do all the right things. I wanted to show mercy and grace. I wanted to show my favor on these people who came in the last. I wanted to show it. What's your problem? I'll tell you something. When people get saved and they walk into church and they receive God and they uh, you know are getting anointed, you know the ones that get upset the most are the ones who are already in the church because they are like man look at this guy getting all these dreams and visions and look look at this guy you know getting time to preach and getting time to you know do all these things i this is not fair and those are the people that try to you remember last week we studied this guy the prodigal son you know who had a problem with him coming back home the first son the elder brother had a problem with him coming come on that that doesn't make sense see from a businessman's perspective it doesn't make sense to give more wealth or to give more money to a guy who has lost 50% who has destroyed 50% of your hard earned money it doesn't make sense but we are not talking from a businessman's perspective we are talking from a perspective of a father who has unlimited resources of mercy who has unlimited resources of grace and he is willing to lavish upon us what others have worked hard what others have you know prayed ages to reach he's willing to give it to us in one snap of a finger anybody feeling the touch of god's grace this morning what god is saying is what you don't deserve i'm going to give you today 
But God is saying, Ish, what, what, what you have not worked for will belong to you in Jesus' name. Now, that doesn't mean that we become lazy. Apostle Paul said it last week. We studied that, right? He said, hey, I'm going to work all the more harder. I'm the last guy to get saved. I'm the last person to see Jesus, but I'm going to work harder than, I've worked harder than all the other apostles. Why? Because of the grace that is working in me. You, you know, everybody, we can have two responses. Like, you know, one thief scoffed at this grace. Another thief said, I, I need this. Will you please remember me? Right? You can say, hey, I'm just going to take this grace for granted and just be lazy and just wait for that time when Jesus is going to come. Five minutes before Jesus comes, I'm going to repent and I'm going to get taken up, you know. Five minutes before I die, I'm just going to give my life to Jesus. You can be lazy and you can say, I'm going to wait till the last moment. Or you can be a man who says, man, this grace is too much. Oh, I need to give my life to him today. I need to lay my everything at his feet. And I, I want to give my 100% to him today. I want to, I want to work like my entire life belongs to him. This one hour that I have in my hand, I want to work like I was here all day. That, I'm, that, I, I'm, I'm, that this, this vineyard actually belongs to me. That's how I want to work in this last one hour that I'm left here. The next verse, the, the landowner, he replaced, replies saying, Hey, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? This is my money, my grace, my mercy that I'm showing on these guys. Is it unlawful for me to give them more than what they deserve? Should you be jealous? Read that line with me. Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? Now God is going to be kind to you and God is going to be kind to others. The one thing that we have to ask God to protect us from is, God, when you show favor on somebody else, make me happy about it. Make me joyful about it. Let me rejoice in the fact that my brother is getting more favor than I am. Let me rejoice in the fact that somebody else is getting a better blessing than I am. I'm not going to be jealous because you're kind. I'm going to celebrate your kindness in my life and in other people's lives. I'm going to celebrate your kindness. Now, this is not something that only started in the New Testament. God said this system of economy, you know, in, the, in our day and age, you know, in our world today, India, do you, uh, you know, if you've been reading newspapers, you know that we are, our economy is in a big slump. That there is such a huge debt and our banking systems are going crazy. So many companies are going bankrupt. It's, it's going crazy. This is, a, this is one of the worst that we've had in the last 20, 25 years. But in the Israeli system, when God established economy in, uh, for the nation of Israel, God set something called as a reset button. Do you know this? What is it called? Anybody? It has a name. Sorry? Yeah. After 40. The year of Jubilee. Somebody say Jubilee. There is a reset button that gets hit every 49 years. Every 50 years. You know, the 50th year is a year of Jubilee. In other words, what God told them is, hey, six years you will work. The seventh year you will take a rest. Okay? Now, after you finish seven sets of these six years, these seven years period, that is after 49 years, the 50th year 
will be a massive celebration here. It'll be a year of jubilee. That's a year when things will go berserk. Let me read this from uh, Leviticus chapter 25. Give me this verse. Leviticus 25 verse 11. It says the 50th year, read it with me. The 50th year will be a jubilee for you. During that year, you must not plant your fields or store away any of the crops that grow on their own and don't gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. What God is telling them is this. Now this they are supposed to also do on the seventh year of every seventh year. But the 50th year, also they are supposed to do the same thing. They are supposed to not work on that year. They are not supposed to plant anything. They are not supposed to harvest anything. Verse 12, it says, It will be a jubilee year for you and you must keep it holy and you may eat whatever the land produces on it. Which means this is a year when you don't work at all. When the land produces on its own, whatever comes out on its own, you eat that food, right? The next verse, verse 13, he says, In the year of Jubilee, each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors. I want you to go back and read the whole Leviticus chapter 25. You'll understand the concept of Jubilee. What he said is this, hey, what happens is sometimes when you live life, you may make wrong financial choices and you may have to end up selling your land because you are in a debt you may even have to end up selling your own family and yourself to slavery for you know repaying the debt but God said but when the 50th year happens okay your debt is clear like let's say that you have a credit card bill of 5 lakhs that you've been accumulating for 50 years for 49 years on the 50th year your credit card bill is muft. You can go home free. Your hallelujah, all the credit card holders are saying hallelujah. And, 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 and you don't have to pay that bill anymore. You're free. And God set a system in the economy of Israel that will represent the grace and the kindness that He will show us in the New Testament through Jesus. What he said is this, there will be some people who will fall into debt, who will go crazy on the 49th year. And don't be harsh towards those people. Don't say, I will not give you money. God is telling that to the guys who will, you know, lend money. God is saying, hey, don't tell them that because the Jubilee year is just next year, I can't give you a 5 lakh rupee loan. Because in, in next year, that 5 lakh gaya pani mein. Because... You know, what happens? Like, I give you five lakhs, hoping that you will pay it off in time. But the next year is year of Jubilee, the year when nobody works, the year when it's just a massive celebration from January to December. And that's the year when the reset button is pushed. And that's the year when you are left on your own. And, 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 and you know, that's the year when you become free from your slavery, you become free from your debts, and you become free from all the things that is heavy on you. God is saying, don't be harsh to somebody who falls into a debt on the 48th or the 49th year. Don't be harsh on them. Why? Because I want you to show them how my grace is going to be like. My grace is going to be the same for somebody who gets saved on the 49th year compared to the guy who gets saved on the first year and has been working hard for the last 49 years to reach this year of Jubilee. Now, you know, the problem with the 
you know, the Israelite kingdom was that this was a law that they found it very difficult to keep. They worshipped idols and they did all those other crazy things. But one of the primary reasons why God punished them is because they did not keep this year of Jubilee. They did not keep this year of breakthrough. They did not release. They, they, they were very upset. And, and the Bible says through all the prophets that came, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, all these guys, they said, hey, I'm going to exile you out of this land so that the, year, that the land can finally experience its rest. So, that the year, so that there will be a year when the, the land will have no more cultivation and work happening on the land, right? So when God was promising restoration to them, God said, hey, I'm going to exile you out of this place and then I'm going to bring you back and that year is going to be a year of jubilee for you. Okay, I'm, so one of the promises is in Isaiah chapter 61. Okay, you will understand the context when you read this now. Read it with me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be free. Who are these captives and prisoners and brokenhearted and poor people that we are talking about? These are the people who have accumulated a debt from the year 1 till year 49. Some reached there in year 1 itself. Somebody reached there in year 49. They have had a good record. 49th year they you know, went bankrupt. All of that happened. The Bible says, because God is sovereign. Do you know what is sovereignty? Do you understand what is sovereign? What is, what is your understanding of sovereignty? Sorry? You know, India is a sovereign nation. It's there in our constitution. India is a sovereign nation. You know what it means? We can do whatever we want to. Nobody can interfere into our affairs, our internal affairs. No other nations can get in and tell us how to run our country, our, our nation. And the Bible says God is a sovereign God. And the spirit of the sovereign God came upon me. And I, In other words, God is saying, hey, I'm sovereign. I'm going to have mercy on whom I want to have mercy. I'm going to show grace to whomever I want to show grace. I'm going to have compassion to whomever I want to have compassion. And when the Spirit came upon me, I went and I began to preach to people that your year of jubilee is around the corner. That your year of favor is around the corner. And what did he preach? He said, hey, all the poor people, here is the good news. There is a time coming when you can go back to the land that was allotted to you. The land that you lost playing bets. The land that you lost with all the bad decisions in your life. The, the promises that were given to you from the days of Moses and Joshua. Now come, now you can be restored back into that wealth. You can rest, be restored back into those inheritance, into those promises. That's the good news. Verse 2, it says, He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You know, the other translation says the year of the Lord's favor. You know what is the year of the Lord's favor? It's the year of Jubilee. What God is saying is, hey, I'm going to go and preach and I'm going to tell people that there will be these prophets that were appointed. For example, Isaiah was one of those prophets who went and started preaching and telling people, hey, you know what? The year of the Lord's favor is here 
God is about to restore us and the year of favor is here and, and he is about to take us back into our promises, take us back all the things that we have lost, all the things that has been taken away from us. We will get it back now. Guess who else quoted this verse? Come on. Jesus. You remember when he quoted this verse? When he started his ministry on the earth, in Luke chapter 4, Matthew 4, when he started his ministry, the first thing that he did was he opened the book of Isaiah, pointed right to chapter 61, verse 1, onwards he began reading. And he said, hey, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor and to set the captives free and to let all those who are in prison and who have lost their life and wasted their time and who have been standing in the field from morning to evening I've come to announce to them that the year of the Lord's favor is here the time, the appointed time, the season of grace is here you know the name grace, the word grace was invented only somewhere around 1500s and one of the meaning one of the root meaning of the word grace is the word favor somebody say favor and what this author is actually saying is the year of God's grace is here see from the beginning of time whenever God showed favor to somebody the Bible would say and Noah found favor in the eyes of God or the traditional translations would say Noah found grace in the eyes of God and, and God would handpick people like that, that that he had favor on them and he would say hey Abraham I would have favor on him Job I will have favor on him and, and God would show favor on certain individuals from time to time to time but when Jesus came God said hey no longer am I going to have favor on one individual per se I'm going to open up an entire season of Jubilee and that's not going to be for one year it's been lasting for the last 2000 years we've been in that season of Jubilee we've been in the season of favor we've been in the season of grace why? so that we can get back everything that the enemy is stealing from us we can get it back, we can receive it back, we can experience that favor, we can experience that grace that God has meant, God has specifically assigned for you and for me. Come on, is anybody feeling lucky here? (laughs) It's not luck, it's the favor of God upon your life. It is the sovereignty of God that He chose you and He appointed you and He and he decided to show his favor and his mercy and his grace upon you you and I, we are favored people you and I, we are favored people and we are favored not because we have worked hard for it we are favored in spite of the fact that we messed up in spite of the fact that we did the wrong things in spite of the fact that we you know invested the wrong places and we got into the wrong relationships and and we got into the wrong uh, you know churches and the wrong wrong stuff God says hey I am still gonna have favor on you I'm still gonna have mercy on you I'm still gonna have grace on you that's the good news somebody say that's grace that's God's grace for you and for me amen that you and I we are favored by grace so my question is how are we going to respond to this grace are we going to be like the thief that is going to say hey prove prove it by blessing me 
one week i should have this much money in my bank account <laughs> one week this problem in my life should get fixed or are we going to be like the other other thief that would say god you've 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 shown so much grace i don't i don't deserve this i don't deserve to be loved like this i deserve to die you didn't deserve to die i deserve to be poor you didn't deserve to be poor i deserve to be sick you didn't deserve to carry my sickness on your yourself i deserved to be broken you did not deserve to be broken i'll be like that thief that would say god will you please remember me right now will you please help me because i know that you have you have brought me into the season of grace into this into this atmosphere where i can be spoken over and i can i can have my eyes opened to how much you love me how much you care for me that 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 in this season that i will i will just ask you to just remember me god just remember me will will that be our response to this kind of radical favor of god will that be our response or will we be disconnected like the other thief that says i don't care you know let him do what he does let him do this and then i will serve you know let him do this advise it things and then i will you know walk into full time ministry and then let him bless me in these 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 areas and then i will let me tell you something god god is not at your mercy you are at his mercy god doesn't need your grace you need his grace come on somebody who got blessed in that in that marketplace the land owner got blessed or the guys that were wasting their life they were drinking their life away and they were you know lazy who got blessed that day the land owner didn't get anything by hiring these guys you you sometimes we we act like we are giving god some you know doing some favor to god by putting that offering or by you know by dancing and worshiping or by you know by singing out loud or by you know distributing the bible or sharing jesus no 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 you're not doing anybody any favor he is the one who is showing favor on you he is the one who is showing grace upon you he is the one who is showing mercy upon us my question is how are we going to respond come on how are we going to respond to this mercy how are we going to respond to this grace how are we going to receive this grace are we just going to say wow so good 1000 rupees praise god how, how do you think that that five year that that guy who came at at the fifth hour who came at 5 o'clock went home that day You you think that he went home saying, "Wow, oh, nice. I'll invest this here, I'll invest that." Okay. I got exactly what I wanted. I got exactly. How did this guy go back home? Probably weeping. Not for sorrow, but for joy. Am I right? Come on. Have you ever had that time when you got something that you were not expecting and you got a breakthrough and you know you were not expecting least expecting that you know you didn't deserve it you know that this should not have come through but it still came through how did you feel that how did you feel at that point you know you've messed up at your work all through the year but still you got your promotion still you got your increase still you got your appraisal how would you feel how would you how would you go back home that day come on church I pray that that you and I will respond with great joy to this to the season of favor that opened up for us when Jesus died for us on the cross when that when that 
when that curtain was torn asunder from the top to the bottom when that when that season when that di- di- that dispensation shifted and the dispensation of grace began i pray that every time we open up our heart to god's presence there will be some rejoicing there will be some thankfulness there will be some gratitude because you like it or not you are an object of god's favor over your life amen let's let's read this entire psalm and let's respond back to god amen are you ready for this i'd call this a psalm of favor Okay, I would call this as a psalm uh, where he's responding to God's favor over his life. Are you ready for this? Come on, one, two, three, go. I will exalt you, Lord. Why? Because you have rescued me. I did not deserve it. I deserved to be left alone in the marketplace, but you have rescued me and you refused to let my enemies triumph is that, is that is that is that your testimony this morning that god has not let your enemies triumph over you this morning that god has not let your enemies triumph over you this last season that god has not let your enemies bury you come on somebody so what will you do you and i we will exalt him we will exalt him we will praise him we will lift him up high because he deserves our worship for the way that he showed favor upon us he deserves our praise for the way that he showed grace upon us verse 2 he says oh lord my god i cried to you for help you know that's what the the guy on the cross did he, he, he just said lord if possible when you come back thousand year period later will you please help will you please remember me but what did god do he says but you restored my health when i was broken when i was defeated i cried out to you for help and you restored my health this morning can you change your arrogance to a cry of of and a request for grace can you change your from scoffing the promises of God to claiming the promises of God from from disengaging with the heart of God to beginning to engage with the heart of God and saying God here I am I will cry out to you for help and I know that you're going to restore my health and you're going to restore the health of my family and you're going to restore the health of my finances and you're going to restore the health of my business every area oh lord my god I cried to you for help and you restored my health verse 3 it says you brought me up from the grave come on anybody who's been there anybody who's been there and you say hey I have experienced resurrection power. I have come out of the grave. Is like I, I knew that I, I deserved to be dead and buried, but you brought me up out of the grave. Somebody say this out. Lord, you brought me up from the grave, O oh Lord. You have kept me from falling into the pit of death. See, see, there are two reasons why this guy is thanking God. One, because you brought me back from the dead. And two, because right now you're stopping me from falling back into the same death that I was in. Did you see that? He's not only thanking God for, you know, 
stopping him from dying but he's also thanking him saying god even if i die i know that you resurrected me even if i die even if my dreams die even if my hopes disappear i know that you will bring it back to life you are a god who is able to bring me back from the grave so let me ask you this what is that area of your life that you feel that man this is it there's no more hope for this there is no more resurrection let me tell you we serve a god who is going to show favor on you and bring you up even back from the grave even something that has been lost and buried the lord says i'm going to bring it back up and the second thing that he says i'm i'm going to protect your feet from slipping and falling back into that same grave falling back into the same mistakes falling back into the same relationships falling back into the same habits i'm going to protect you and that's why i'm going to sing a song to god this morning saying god you brought me up from the grave oh lord you have kept me from falling into the pit of death verse 4 he says now come on come on come on sing to the lord all you godly ones why because see this is this is what he did this is what he did for me he rescued me he 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 brought me back from death and he is stopping me from falling back into my death and that's what I, why that's why i'm going to sing to the lord and i'm going to praise him I'm going to exalt his name. I'm going to lift him up high. I I pray that this morning that will be our response to the favor, to this year of jubilee, to the season of jubilee, to the season of favor that we are in that we will respond by some singing. Come on. How many of you know that your song is a symbol of your joy your song is a symbol of your trust in god your song is an expression of your worship for god what kind of songs are you singing and what kind of songs are you listening to and what kind of songs are you expressing day in and day out and he says sing to the lord all you godly ones is there any godly people in the house this morning is there anybody who has been made godly by god If you're not able to worship the the primary problem maybe because you don't believe you're godly enough because the bible says praise the lord sing to the lord all you godly ones praise his holy name why 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 verse 5 it says because his anger it lasts for a moment a moment is a second how many of you know that god has anger for the right reasons for the right things god gets upset for the right reasons and for the right things But the bible says his anger lasts for a moment and he poured out that anger upon jesus on the cross that anger was for a moment and because of that his favor now can last an entire lifetime come on somebody what what happened to jesus on the cross was that was that one moment of God's anger because of which you and I experience a lifetime of God's favor a lifetime of jubilee a lifetime of mercy a lifetime of grace a lifetime of experiencing everything that God has prepared and planned for us come on read it out with me weeping may last through the night but my joy come on somebody said but my joy it comes in the morning Yes, I may be in that night season when I'm weeping, but I know and I know and I know that my joy it is coming in the morning. Where sits he says, "Hey, when I was prosperous, when I had everything I needed, I said, "Hey, nobody can stop me now. 
nothing can shake me now. Verse 7, it says, Your favor, O Lord, it made me as secure as a mountain. Man, I like that. Come on, can I declare this over you this morning? That the favor of God upon your life this season will be so strong that it will make you secure like a mountain. That you will not be moved in, in and when your circumstances change. You will not be moved when things and people disappoint you. You will not be moved when economy disappoints you. You will not be moved when your company disappoints you. Your favor, O oh Lord, has made me as secure as a mountain. I'm going to respond back. I'm going to celebrate your favor over my life this morning, Daddy. I'm going to celebrate your grace over my life this morning. Then he's talking about this particular season in his life when he says, God turned away from me. That brief movement, that one moment of God's anger, he says, and you turned away from me and I was shattered. Verse 8, he says, I cried out to you, O Lord, and I begged the Lord for mercy again. See, this guy saying, and then I, I felt like I lost that favor over my life. But then I, and I, I, I was shattered and I turned back to God and I asked Him for mercy again. It's true, but two different seasons of His life. One season when He was like a mountain and then He shattered. Then He's coming back to God and say, God, show mercy on me again. He, I begged the Lord for mercy saying, verse 9, he said, She said, what will you gain if I die? If I sink into the grave, can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Come on. Do you have a song of God's faithfulness today? Do you have a, 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 you know, a statement about God's faithfulness? Do you have a testimony of God's faithfulness over your life today? Come on. That is going to be your argument against your failures. Your worship is going to be the one thing that will stop you from remaining in your failures. He's saying, God, can I remain in this place of failure? If I remain in this place of failure, can I, how will I count of your faithfulness to others? If I am continuing to remain in debt, how can I talk to others about your faithfulness in my finances? If I continue to remain in sickness, how can I talk to others about how much of a healer you are? He's saying, God, your faithfulness will rescue me from this particular season of life. Come on, do you have a testimony of God's faithfulness over your life? Then you have to declare that right now. And that is going to be your argument against remaining in a season of brokenness, against remaining in a season of failure, against remaining in that season of being shattered. Because God is going to bring you back from that also. Verse 10, He says, Hear me, Lord, and have mercy upon me. Help me, O Lord. Help me, O Lord. Hear me, have mercy, and help me right now, Lord. Amen. Come on, jump up to your feet. The last two verses, I would like us to read it together. Come on. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Come on, read it with me. Come on, one, two, three, go. Because you have turned my morning into joyful dancing and you have taken away my clothes of mourning and you have clothed me this morning with joy come on verse 12 he says that i might sing praises to you and not be silent oh lord my god i will give you thanks forever come on what the psalmist is saying is this is going to be my response to your favor over my life 
I'm going to sing about your mercy. I'm going to sing about your grace because you have turned my morning into joyful dancing. You have turned my night seasons into morning seasons. You have turned my dark seasons into into seasons when there is so much of hope. Why? Why did God do all of this? That I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Father, I pray that this morning you will vacuum out the silence in this place. That there will be no silence in anybody in this place. That every, every silent heart, every silent heart will begin to respond with praises. Come on. Don't leave an inch of silence in this room right now. Don't leave an inch of silence in this room right now. Come on, don't leave any silent vacuum in this house right now. No more silence tonight. No more silence in this house, God. Shida lama nama nama boro Lama nama that I might sing praises to you and not remain silent, O oh Lord. That I might declare your praises so that I can speak of your favor over my life. Your favor has kept me as secure as a mountain. Your favor, it lasts for a lifetime, Lord. Your anger may be for a moment, but your favor, your grace, your mercy, it lasts for an entire lifetime. Because you have turned my morning into joyful dancing. Because you have turned my attitude this morning, Daddy. You have turned my weeping into a state of joy. Come and amandore Malana mandarabore belasa Mandalebe Karana Masere Mashanda Ramana Mandorobolo se Come on somebody pray with me Dear Jesus I trust in your grace I believe in your favor and I know, and I know, and I know that you love me, that you will care for me, that even when I am irresponsible, even when I make my share of mistakes, even when I go wrong, even when I make my faults and my sins and my problems, You will still show mercy on me, God. And your grace for me is enough. And your grace for me is abundant. Lord, this morning, fill me with your grace. This morning, make me an object of your favor. So that I may worship you. So that I may not remain silent anymore. So that there will be a praise on my lips. So that I may dance for you. So that I may extol your name. All for the glory of your name, Jesus.
And somebody said an amen. Somebody scream a loud amen. How many of you know that you are an object of God's favor? How many of you believe you are an object of God's favor? Wow. I am so thankful this morning. I'm sure we all have reasons to be thankful, right? We hope you were refreshed and strengthened by the Word of God. If you want to know more about God or have a question you would like to ask or even a prayer request you would like to share, do connect with us at dreamingrevival.com. Be our guest for one of our services here at Bangalore Revival Center on Saturdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 11 a.m.